This episode is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is an easy and powerful way to start podcasting. We give you all of the tools you need for a successful podcast, such as unlimited podcast hosting, podcast distribution, monetization options for podcasts of any size, and live stream podcasting capabilities. Sign up today at www.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle, and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. This has also been the episode of Absolute Chaos, because I was trying to upload this episode and get it edited and have it done by Monday, and my computer decided to crash and I had to completely redo the entire thing because it didn't save it for some reason, which was super fun. Today, I thought that it would be fun to kind of do maybe a murderess who killed for reasons that are actually noble, if you think about it. And we're not doing just one, but two sisters. We are talking about Freddie and Truce Overstegen. Let's go ahead and talk about them. start talking about our murderesses of the day, let's go ahead and go through our resources. Our resources for this episode were brought to us by the Washington Post article about Freddie Overstegen, as well as the History.com article, and a Vice interview with Freddie Overstegen. We also get, of course, Wikipedia, which is our classic resource. And if you guys want to find out more information on Freddie and Truce, I would definitely suggest you start there. Let's go ahead and get started. Truce Overstegen was the older sister. She was born on August 29th in 1923. Freddie Overstegen was born on September 6th, 1925. The sisters and their family lived on a barge for a while growing up and actually offered shelter to families of Lithuanian refugees. Their parents ended up divorcing when they were young and... Their mother moved Freddie and Truce to a one-room apartment where they all slept on mattresses on the floor. Their mother also considered herself a communist and taught her daughters communist principles and about the importance of fighting injustice. According to anthropologist Ellen Jonker in her book Under Fire, Women in World War II, their mother encouraged them to make dolls for children who were suffering in the Spanish Civil War. Their mother also volunteered for the International Red Aid, which is basically like the Communist Red Cross. World War II began affecting both Freddie and Truce from a young age. Obviously, their family was very involved in politics and taking in refugees and helping others, as it has been made obvious. When the war began, they immediately started harboring refugees from Germany and Austria. There was a Jewish couple and a Jewish mother and son. However, when German forces invaded the Netherlands, the people they were harboring were moved to another location. Apparently, the Jewish community leaders were worried that there would be a possible raid on the Overstegen home since their political leanings were already so well known. And according to Freddie, quote, 
They were all deported and murdered. We never heard from them again, and it still moves me dreadfully whenever I talk about it. Freddie and True's resistance careers began by simply passing out anti-Nazi flyers and posters. Obviously, this was enough to get them in a ton of trouble already, but their actions actually got the attention of the commander of the underground Harlem Council of Resistance, Franz Vanderweel. He approached them and asked if they were interested in becoming part of the resistance under the guise of being lookouts or something like that because they were so young and less likely to attract attention. Their mother gave consent, and so the sisters agreed, only to find out that their roles would be much different from how it was described to their mother. Now there's a quote from Freddie saying, only later did he tell us what we'd actually have to do, sabotage bridges and railway lines, and learn to shoot, to shoot Nazis. I remember my sister saying, well, that's something I've never done before. So these girls are 14 and 16 at this point in their lives when they're recruited into this underground resistance under the guise of being like, hey, you're just going to be lookouts and maybe pass on information and spy on people since you are so young and it wouldn't be as suspicious. And then they find out that at 14 and 16, they're basically going to be assassins and sabotagers. I, I just can't imagine what that must have been like to be 14 and 16 and just think, yeah, okay, this is what I need to do right now. According to Trues, Freddie was the first of the girls to actually kill someone. She's quoted as saying, it was tragic and very difficult and we cried about it afterwards. We did not feel it suited us. It never suits anybody really, unless they are real criminals. One loses everything. It poisons the beautiful things in life. Altogether, the resistance had a total of seven people and Trues and Freddie were the only girls. Their number soon grew to eight after the addition of a young woman named Janetje Johanna Hani Shaft. Honestly, I feel like she deserves her own episode, so next episode we'll probably be talking all about her because her life is also one that I really feel like should be explored. When Hani joined, the girls split off from the main section of the group to become a trio with their own set of missions. They would be given these missions separate from the rest of the group and told to complete them by the resistance council. One mission actually ended up with the murder of a highly decorated Nazi official, and this is how Freddie says the mission went. Quote, I didn't shoot him, one of the men did. I had to keep an eye on my sister and keep a lookout from a vantage point in the woods to see if no one was coming. Trues had met him in an expensive bar, seduced him, and then took him for a walk in the woods. She was like, want to go for a stroll? And of course he wanted to. Then they ran into someone, which was made to seem a coincidence, but he was one of ours. And that friend said to Trues, girl, you know you're not supposed to be here. They apologized, turned around, and walked away. And then shots were fired so that the man never knew what hit him. They had already dug the hole, but we weren't allowed to be there for that part. A former researcher at the Netherlands Institute for War, Holocaust, and Genocide Studies, Bas van Bende Beckman, says that they were unusual, these girls. There were a lot of women involved in the resistance in the Netherlands, but not so much in the way these girls were. There are not many examples of women who actually shot collaborators themselves. On these missions, Freddie was especially good at following a target or keeping a lookout, since she looked so young and unsuspecting. Both sisters shot to kill, but they never revealed how many Nazis and Dutch collaborators they assassinated. And in an interview, Freddie would actually say to people who asked uh, how many people that she and her sister had killed that they were soldiers, 
and soldiers don't say. So obviously because of these answers and as it makes sense because that's a very personal question to ask, um, there's not that many details about how their liquidations, as they called them, went. But they do say that sometimes they would follow a target to his house to kill him or ambush them on their bikes. There was a semblance of a routine. First it was to approach the Nazi men in bars and then after having successfully seduced them, they would be asked if they want to go for a stroll in the forest where they would then be liquidated. And Freddie actually told one interviewer, quote, we had to do it. It was a necessary evil killing those who betrayed the good people. Now, obviously, the female members of the Dutch resistance were not given as much attention as the male members, but it was this kind of thinking that proved to be a very fatal mistake to many Nazi men who didn't recognize how threatening the Oberstegen sisters actually were. According to a Dutch newspaper, Freddie once told an interviewer, quote, I've shot a gun myself and I've seen them fall. And what is inside us at such a moment? You want to help them get up. Both of the sisters had other jobs in the Harlem resistance group, which included bringing Jewish refugees to a new hiding place, working in the emergency hospitals, blowing up the railway line between Ismuiden and Harlem. They helped many Jewish children escape concentration camps or break out of trains that were taking them to concentration camps. Truth was especially involved in the missions to help Jewish children escape Nazi clutches and was apparently present at one of the failed rescue missions that ended with the fugitives caught in searchlights in an open field and most of them were killed with machine guns. And before the war was over, many of the resistance comrades were arrested and executed, which included the newest member of the trio, Hanny Shaft. At this point in the war, there was an all-points bulletin that alerted forces and security personnel to be on the lookout for the girl with the red hair who was placed on the Nazis' most wanted list, who happened to be Hanny Shaft. Hanny continued her resistance work by dyeing her hair black to hide her identity, but she was arrested at a checkpoint while distributing an illegal newspaper. She was then interrogated and tortured and then executed on April 17th, 1945. I know this is kind of getting into Hanny's story a little bit, and we're definitely going to be talking more about it in the episode next week, but I just want to mention that according to lore, Hanny's last words were, quote, I'm a better shot because initially she was only wounded by the executioner. Now, when the war ended, Shrews went about uh, settling down and raising a family. She ended up having four children and named the oldest after her murdered best friend, Hanny. She was also a very respected artist and worked as a public speaker about the war, anti-Semitism, and tolerance. In 1967, Yad Vashem, which was Israel's official memorial to the Holocaust, designated her as one of the righteous among nations, which was an honorific for non-Jewish people who risked their lives during the Holocaust to save Jewish people from the Nazis. She actually wrote a memoir about her wartime experiences, which I would love to read, called When Not, Now Not, Never. She's also founded the National National Henny Shaft Foundation in 1996, of which Freddie served as a board member. In 2014, Truce and Freddie were given the Mobilization War Cross in honor of their service in the war by Netherlands Prime Minister. They, both of the sisters admitted to being very, very proud of being part of the resistance. Truce Overstegen died on June 18, 2016, when she was 92 years old. Freddie actually died September 5, 2018, also at 92 years old. 
one day before her 93rd birthday. She said that, quote, I had always been a little jealous of Shrews because she got so much attention after the war, but then I just think I was in the resistance as well. At the time, she was living in a nursing home about five miles from Harlem and had suffered multiple heart attacks. And that is the amazing and incredibly brave story of the Overstegan sisters. Obviously, there's probably a ton that I missed here. I feel like there's just so much that you can get into detail about, and there was a whole biography that I didn't have time to read. So if you guys know anything else about the Overstegan sisters, please let me know. Next week, we will be talking about Hanny Shaft because I feel like it's important to remember her, not to make light, but especially in a time where Nazis are now more prominent in society. And it's like, I just, just the fact that we can have people who agree with the morals and the sentiments of everything that's being spread by this incredibly hateful group and go and have these rallies and actually show their faces in public. And then you talk about these stories where it's like there was entire resistance efforts dedicated just to stopping their terrible beliefs. It's just, I just feel like these are really important stories to hear right now. But that is all that I have for you guys this episode. I would love to know your thoughts and opinions. If you know anything more about the Overstegan sisters, please reach out to me at Fremius Reads on Twitter, Instagram, basically all social media. You could also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash Frumius. If you are interested in hearing me talk about books, doing book reviews, that type of thing. I talk about His Dark Materials, the TV show a lot on there. You can go ahead and follow me there and make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you can get updated when we talk about Hanny Schaff next week. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. This episode is brought to you by Podbean Live. 
Podbean Livestream is a unique platform for turning your podcast production into a live show. It's open to any podcaster on any hosting site. Easily invite multiple co-hosts and guests to join your live stream, earn money from live show ticket sales and get listener rewards, and engage your audience in new and exciting ways. Ready to get started? Sign up today at www.podbean.com slash live. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash live.